Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Week 14 locks. That's why we're here. It's every Thursday afternoon. Uh, we've got uh, a lot to be breaking down, including breaking news as BYU has been added as the replacement for Liberty. This was going to be one of the the games of the year down in Myrtle Beach, Coastal Carolina on the teal field. They were going to be hosting uh, undefeated Liberty, undefeated Coastal Carolina. Uh, Liberty has some COVID-19 issues, including two starting quarterback Malik Willis. They are out. In comes BYU answering the challenge that Barton Simmons laid out. Say, you got to be uncomfortable. You got to, and this is according to Bruce Feldman, be pulling all-nighters as a coaching staff to get this thing together. I was on the radio in Salt Lake City yesterday, and I said, I don't know, y'all. I'll never say never, but it's Wednesday afternoon. I don't see BYU being able to make something happen for the 5th. You might just have to figure out a way to make it happen for the 19th. But sure enough, Kalani Sataki, they are willing to be uncomfortable before we jump into the locks, of which this game does have a line right now at around 10 points at William Hill. Uh, I mean, Barton, do you feel like the challenge has been answered? Do you feel satisfied that BYU is going to put itself in a position to make a statement for the selection committee? Yeah, I'll take this. This is a step in the right direction. This is going into the bar. And, and picking out somebody and throwing a haymaker to just get this thing going. So uh, I appreciate that from BYU. It, it was, I mean, the, the thing about the Washington deal was, you know, they wanted all these stipulations and they wanted things to be perfect. And I, that, my, my whole thing was, it's not going to be perfect. Just do what you got to do. Just go start causing chaos. Just, just, just be a badass. Um, this is, what, 54-hour notice? This is pretty badass. And it's pretty <laughs> badass by Coastal Carolina, too. I mean, props to those guys. I mean, the, the, I mean, it, it feels like Coastal is this year's team that is literally saying anybody, any place, anywhere, let's go. Um, we're having too much fun to stop. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. This might be my number one screen, number one game, number one seat of the weekend. Five thirty p.m. Eastern time from uh, Myrtle Beach. So uh, be sure to keep your eyes on that. All right, before we jump into the locks, quick review of last week. Uh, Tom, five and two, best performance of the week. Uh, What do you feel like you had coming out of it? Uh, Well, first of all, I defeated Lock Unity, which I think makes me a god now. I don't don't know, (laughs) but it happened. And uh, 
I think I think I would have been six and two. I think because I think our other lock entity would have won Oklahoma at West Virginia, but that game was postponed. I just there was nothing really for me to take away from it. I thought the only bad play that I had was actually taking the uh, the Iowa State Texas under, but it worked, so <laughs> I didn't feel too bad about it at the end. Thankfully for some you know bad plays there towards the end of the game, but uh, yeah, nothing crazy. Just I'll take the five and two week. Happy, I needed it. Barton three and three uh, again missed out on the Oklahoma game. Also got the postponed uh, because Virginia didn't want that smoke. Uh, they just wanted to travel to Tallahassee and then come back. But uh, what's uh, any takeaways? I would, I, man, I would have loved to have gotten that Virginia game in. I think that would have put me over the five hundred mark. This is a very frustrating season right now. I feel like I don't know who I would dis- like compare myself to. Maybe, maybe like Auburn or um, just someone that's just 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 surviving this year. Not a su- not a successful year, not a failure. But the COVID testing is starting to get under my skin a little bit. Getting deep in the season, I don't know how many times I want to go get that nose swabbed. Um, I just hope I can stay focused for another couple of weeks here on these these locks because. Three and three weeks is uninspiring. Speaking of uninspiring, <laughs> your, your boy went 0-5. Big old goose egg for the week. And I don't hate any of my plays. They just were wrong. Texas plus one at, against Iowa State. Texas had that game in a position to win. They didn't. All right, North Carolina plus five and a half against Notre that Dame. That was wrong. That was wrong. That was a bad pick. Yeah. But... <laughs> Take myself. All of you were wrong. Take Not take me. myself. Take myself back, and I'll make that pick again. You know, just it was a wrong pick. Kent State plus seven and a half. You know, I thought that they might be able to hang in there for a minute. Pitt plus twenty four. That was brutal. And then Penn State in Michigan. Michigan home overs comes up on the losing side. So I fall below five hundred. Uh, I think maybe for the first time this year, or at least for the first time since the early parts of the season with an 0-5 week, uh, I'm now 45-47 and 47 to review Tom, 46-43, and 43, Barton, 49-43, and 43, and then our season leader is Danny, but even Danny took it 2-5, and five, so you're at 49-41 and 41 on the season. You had the Oklahoma game postponed, the Ohio State game postponed, Wins with Coastal Carolina. Oh, a DK two for one special cash for you, but not all. Yep. So how Thank goodness. Yeah. Those are your two. <laughs> that was kind of the last like late in the locks pod. Hey, let me throw this one in there. And uh, thank goodness I did, or I would have been looking an for. I'm pissed. All right, that's where I am right now. I'm pissed because Texas should have won that game, and that's kind of spiraled the whole weekend in the wrong direction. I was feeling great about North Carolina after the first half, and then we know how the second half went. I do have a confession to make, and I feel like maybe there's a spot that we have to put this online somewhere. Saturday morning, I text you guys, and I'm like, hey, I hate my picks today. Like, I th- mm. The best picks I felt about were Friday – I actually took the other side of the egg bowl. It, now, it, granted, it changed. It got up there to 70. Yeah. And at some point, you're like, because right, I had we had it 70, 67 and a half. And it was getting out there. I'm like, all right, this is too much. So I don't know if there's – and not for the records of the season, but for our loyal listeners 
who might want to know that information. I feel like maybe there's somewhere in the mentions on the lock spot or somewhere. I feel, and I felt kind of dirty doing it. I'm like, Ew, yeah, you're going to get called win. in. You're going to get called <laughs> into an intelligence committee. That's insider trading right there. Like, yeah, you, so you I, don't, I don't know how I feel about this. I just wanted full disclosure. And I did have that confession that I wanted to make. <laughs> So your honesty is appreciated. We'll, we'll, we'll figure. And listen, if, if you want to share, you know, at Danny Canelo on Twitter, if you want to get out there and just have like a Saturday morning confessions, I, I don't think anybody would think less of, uh, of, of going against your, your pot, your locks pod personally. Well, some people might, right. but right. you'd be offering the best service to the fans. Okay. Okay. Y'all ready to lock it up? Yup. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming since 2005 when Service Academy's locks. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Tom Fernelli has the honors on the tee box after his five and two week. Tom, where would you like to go? Wow, when was the last time I got to lead off the show? It's been a while. Uh I'm doing I'm gonna I'm pulling a DK special to start. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to the same game twice because one of them is my lock of the week and the other one was kind of like my second dairy lock of the week in, in the six pack column. First, I'll start with West Virginia plus six and a half at Iowa State. This is a game where I think West Virginia is being severely undervalued on the spread. Iowa State offensively is kind of like the Brees Hall show passing wise. They're not as efficient. They haven't been as successful doing it. They do have success using the tight ends in the passing game. But I think that if you make Iowa state one dimensional and take away that run option, they're a much more beatable team, or at least a team that's easier to deal with. And this West Virginia defense ranks ninth in defensive success rate against the run. And it is 11th nationally in SP plus it is eighth in points allowed per drive nationally. This is a good West Virginia defense. And I think that they're going to be able to slow down Brees Hall at a minimum and force Iowa state to beat it through the air. And Iowa state is capable of doing that. It's just, I don't think Iowa state's capable of doing that and covering the spread at the same time. I think it would be a much closer game. And I also think on the other side, Letty Brown for West Virginia is is you know he's the second best running back statistically in the Big 12 behind Brees Hall. So I, I think that West Virginia is going to be able to put points on the board in this game, but not too many points because my other play is the under in this game, which I believe is at 49 and a half. 49 and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it's, it's, it's going to be windy in Ames, boys. Uh, it's there's some wind blowing through the Midwest this weekend. As of right now, the current forecast is winds of no, no, it's not that bad. It's only about nine, 10 miles an hour right now, but still it's not even about the wind as much as it's just about kind of what I was talking about a minute ago, where I think West Virginia can take away that run game and it limit what Iowa state can do offensively and kind of challenge it. And I don't think West Virginia's offense, while it's good is explosive enough to really make this a high scoring kind of back and forth affair. Plus unders are just good in Iowa state games. They've always been good in Iowa state games since Matt Campbell got there. So we're starting off the week with West Virginia and the points and the under 49 and a half. On the under, it's going to be windy in Ames. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on that under, too. 49 and a half is a really good number. And uh, 
And we mentioned Brock Purdy's name more often than he impresses me on Saturdays. We talk about him more Monday through Friday than I find myself being like, oh, Brock Purdy's got this. And I think that those limitations at the quarterback position combined with a really good West Virginia defense leave this. And, and by the way, Iowa State's defense like has played pretty well this season. And uh, and I feel like that's going to lead us to, uh, to going under here. So, yep. I was right on it with 49 and a half because that is also where I'm going to be for that game. Classic uh, Big 12 under principles. I will uh, not jump on this game, but of course, um, if there's a if there's a Big 12 under, you got to play it. And TCU Oklahoma State is sitting there, I think, ripe for the picking at 52, I think is what I wrote down last night. Uh, 51 and a half is the best I can see right now. Okay. Uh, I was I looked at the matchup before seeing the line and I was like that that feels like it's going to be in the fort like a 45 kind of range and I was very surprised to see it up at 51 52 um, just in a, a five next to it basically uh, it caught me off guard a little bit I, I think this is I know Oklahoma State put a big number last week but t- Texas Tech that's what Texas Tech does they, they get everybody into that game that's in their DNA uh, TCU's the opposite I mean they they are um, they're trying to run the football. They, they, they really aren't trying to, um, I just think that the, this is, these are two teams right now. They're defensive minded, even Oklahoma state, like ultimately still the strength is their defense and the strength is their run game. So that just seems like, that just seems like a lot of points. I, I think this is going to play in the forties. Like it going to another big 12 under. All right. Uh, Danny, what you want? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to go to the sec. Uh, Texas A&M is on the road versus Auburn. One of the more compelling games, playoff implications for Texas A&M. They didn't get the style points. Will they get it against Auburn? I want to lean towards Auburn and the points, but what I really like is the total in this one. Um, Auburn unders are seven and one this season, five straight in a row. That's best in the FBS with a minimum of four games played. Meanwhile, Texas A&M, they've covered five five straight games as a road favorite um, this season, but all five of those games went under the total. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I think this one is going to be a lower-scoring affair. We saw Texas A&M last week struggle mightily to get any of the offense going. They want to get Isaiah uh, Spiller going. I think Auburn clearly would love to run the football as well. Um, Texas A&M's defense is good. I think Auburn, you know, they got smoked last year, but clearly Texas A&M doesn't have the weapons that Alabama does. So I'm going to go with a classic SEC low scoring affair. Give me the under 40. What can I get? 48 and a half, 49, yep. 48, 48 and, a half. and a half. Perfect. So just to be, Oh, Oh, <laughs> oh. and I'm going two for one on this one because wouldn't it be hilarious? <laughs> Texas A&M beneficiary of a wouldn't it be hilarious moment earlier this season. Wouldn't it be hilarious if all the scenarios, because that's, that's what happens around this time of year is we all go on, um, especially, I feel like this happens a lot on the radio hits. It's more conversational on HQ. We got to give them like the goods. We got to get it in real fast, but radio host gets you on there and they're like, okay, I'm going to give you 10 results. You tell me who's in the college football playoff and it's impossible (laughs) to keep track of. And one thing I always lean on is the fact that college football always makes it simpler for us. Like the, the sport is just going to deliver some results. So wouldn't it be hilarious if Auburn just won this game? But, but. I don't know. 
if that is for sure going to happen, though we are dealing with home bow, bow at home, so much better than bow on the road. We are dealing with a spot that, you know, Gus Malzahn at home, ranked opponent coming into town. And there's just something about, there's just something about the family atmosphere at Auburn that just sort of just brings a lot of the alignment together. So uh, give me Auburn plus seven as well as the under because the way that Auburn wins the game, I do think is with a game that goes under. So uh, let's go two for one special. By the way, there will be no switching on this one for me. It is already played. So <laughs> just so it's out there. Unless it's just a, you find a middle. Like <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm all in on this one. Okay. No changing. All I, right. just, I, want, I wanted to go back I didn't, before I interrupted you, Chip. I just wanted to point out that all four of us, our first picks were unders. It's going to be a good week, huh, Tom? Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I go I go five and two last week. The rest of you lose. And now everybody's like, uh-oh, we better start bringing the unders. This guy knows what he's doing. I don't even have an over on my card, but now I've got to I've got a late hunt. Got to go hunting for one. <laughs> looking for overs. Um. All right. Well, Barton, where do you want to go? You don't. I. I know you don't have an over that you want to introduce into the universe right now. Uh, unless you. Not I mean, yet. there's a there's a Florida over out there. There's a Bama over out there. I mean, the SEC on CBS doubleheader has a couple of over teams. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll do a little research on that. But the the one. Other, the other play this weekend that I feel fairly confident on is the Ohio State game. Ohio State's the what's – the, what's the line there, Tom? 23 and uh, a half. 23 and a half or 24. Yeah. yeah, 23 and a half. Lay it. I think Ohio State um, – this is not like – this isn't a really good Michigan State team. They've had some good moments. They've had some good game plans. They've, they've, they've had some good competitive showings, and I think that – that Mel Tucker deserves a lot of credit, but in this game, I just don't think that they've got the horses and we're all sitting here. What's the message right now all over the country is can Ohio state even get in? If it only plays five games, if it only plays six games, have they even looked good enough preseason? Yes, but they need to start really proving it. And so I don't know, you could probably make a case that, the circumstances could force Ohio state to press and, and maybe they're playing too tight or they feel like they have to be perfect. So I'm not going to act like there isn't an alternate viewpoint to the what the one I'm taking, but the one I am taking is that Ohio state can't afford to let up in the second half. They can't afford to lose focus. They can't afford for Michigan state to kick in the back door in the fourth quarter. So I think Ohio State at 23 and a half is a nice little gift. I think that this is um, – I think they they roll this one and, and run it up. Lock agreement. Yeah, it's just – it's – Michigan State beat Northwestern last week, but it was not like – I mean, first of all, it was 29 to 20, but you got to remember the one touchdown came on the very last play of the game when they recovered a fumble off a lateral in the end zone. It was really a 22 to 20 win. And Northwestern had turned the ball over numerous times. Michigan State's offense, it just comes down to the fact that I know that Ohio State defensively has had some issues. Teams have been able to move the ball on it vertically in the passing game. 
Michigan State does not strike me as the kind of team that's going to be able to do that consistently. Like Indiana has very good receivers. Michael Penix has been a good quarterback. You know, Penn State, have Dotson, who was the one guy who really was able to take advantage of the Ohio State secondary. Nobody else on Penn State had been able to do it, but Dotson was killing them, and that's what was, you know, leading Penn State in that game. So I just don't see how Michigan State is going to be able to keep up with this team over 60 minutes when I don't know where its points are going to come from. And like you said, Ohio State's getting questioned constantly where it's like, okay, well, how many games do they have to play? And then it's also being held against them that they only beat Indiana by seven points. It's like, I don't want to pile on Texas A&M fans because Chip's already picked Auburn. He's, he's implying that he thinks Auburn's going to win the game. But like I was, I tweeted something about this yesterday and I was dealing with Texas A&M fans talking about how, well, they didn't look that impressive. Their defense isn't that great. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait, so the fans of the team that beat Vanderbilt 17 to 12, beat Arkansas 42 to 31, beat Mississippi state 28 to 14, struggled with LSU 20 to seven and got hammered by Alabama. Say that Ohio state doesn't deserve to be a bet above them in the rankings because they looked kind of questionable in a seven point win over a top 10 team. So it's, it's gotten ridiculous to me. The, 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 the discussion around this Ohio state team, because it had a close game against the top 10 team, which it won. And it led by 28 points at one point during the game. Buckeyes are going to crush the Spartans. I don't know if they're going to play enough games to quote unquote qualify or to be enough for the playoff to deem them worthy of one of the four spots, but they're not Alabama, but neither are Clemson and Notre Dame. And none of us are sitting there talking about how, well, I don't know. Clemson and Notre Dame just haven't been that impressive. It's like, yeah, they have flaws. Every other team in the country besides Alabama seemingly has a flaw this year. And I think Ohio state have, after having to sit out last week, after seeing all these people talk all this crap and say, well, I'm just not that impressed by them. I think they're going to come out and mollywop the Spartans. I think they're going to cover pretty easy. Time to play to your Phil Steele, baby. Play to that. Oh, are you, are you in on this too? Yeah. Lock it up. All right. I do have one. And I gave this on Tuesday with our pick show that we do early on HQ. Um, and this is strictly if you kind of want to wait and see. I, I don't know if Justin Fields somehow is not playing in this game. Would that change your guy's mind? This is an open-ended question. I don't – I think they still I, – because like, I, this might be one of my favorite plays of the week. The only thing that I haven't seen is which players are out for Ohio State with the 21-day pro. Like, that's the one kind of hedge. And I actually – to be fair, I'm trying to hold myself accountable, so I actually put this game in while we were talking about it too. So I have taken this Ohio State laying uh, 23 and a half, but you know I might try to hedge it a little bit if if Justin Fields is out because they have very little depth at quarterback. You know, if it's 10 a.m. Saturday morning and it's oh I don't even know like, whoever they're going with or if there was significant issues, I don't even think it would be a receiver like Chris Olave was out. Probably still say all right, let's roll, um, unless it was both him and Garrett Wilson. Uh, but this is one of my favorite plays of the week. I am not only going to take Ohio State laying the points. You were looking for an over. I got you here on this one. I'm going to take the over in this game. I'm more buttoned up this week. I feel better. There's no way I'm backing down from these bets this week. Ohio State has had 71.3 points per game scored in their first four games this season. That's second most among Power 5 schools. Ole Miss is number one. They've had at least 63 points scored in each game defensive side has been a part of that. They've allowed 25-plus in the three straight games for the first time since 2013. I don't know if that trend continues, but if Justin Fields is healthy and he's COVID-free and he's on the field, same reason I liked Ohio State last week big, 
was he's coming off of his worst game as an Ohio State Buckeye. I think he cleans it up. I think this team needs to win impressively. I think they're tired of the conversation. I think they don't want to leave anything in doubt. I think this will be balls to the wall, score as many points. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State covers the over by themselves. I will say, like, we we don't know who's going to miss this game because of it, but I, and this is not based on any real evidence. It's just, I feel like Justin Fields is probably okay simply because I do think that if Justin Fields was one of the players that had tested positive, we'd probably know by now. Agreed. And because he might have opted out and said, all right, it's time to get ready for the NFL draft. But also, I think that the people who set the lines, they have a lot of, you know, birdies in a lot of places to find information. So with the spread where it is, I feel safe that Fields isn't one of the players who will be missing the game, but who knows? It, it is something I do recommend that our listeners keep track of. Maybe don't place this bet until Saturday just to be safe. Well, you've got till noon on Saturday to uh, put in your pick for this game in the CBS Sports College Football Pick'em Challenge. Ohio State minus 23 and a half at Michigan State is on there. The Texas A&M-Auburn game we've already discussed. Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas at Kansas State, West Virginia, Iowa State are just some of the picks. In addition to, I mean, no shocker here, the SEC on CBS doubleheader game of the week, 3.30. You got Florida and Tennessee. That's on the card, 8 p.m. in primetime from Death Valley. You've got Alabama and LSU. That's on the card, and you can go put in your picks until noon on Saturday for your shot to win the $1,000 weekly cash prize. Totally free to enter $1,000 if you end up winning the weekly cash prize. And if you want to do this with friends, you can also enter as a group so you can compete against your friends and or coworkers. Uh, standings. Everything is set up. It, it is right there for free. CBSSports.com slash college. Again, that's CBSSports.com slash college. Great way to enjoy the weekend. Free to use. College football pick'em challenge. Again, pick all the top games for Saturday against the spread. Submit it, and you can compete against other people for that $1,000 weekly cash prize. That's CBSSports.com slash college. Contest locks at noon on Saturday. So go ahead and get your picks in. Um, what's the biggest number I can get on LSU? <laughs> um, that was not a question I expected to hear today. The biggest number you can get right now is 29 and a half. Woo! That's a really big number for an Alabama LSU game. I know LSU looked really bad against Texas A&M. But you know what they did do against Texas A&M? They covered. They covered. They kept fighting all the way down to the last minutes of the fourth quarter trying to get us that cover because that's what great teams do. I'm going to lock up LSU in the SEC on CBS primetime. You can watch it on cbsports.com for free with the CBS Sports mobile app, CBS All Access. You know, CBS Sports HQ will be your home for all of your pregame, halftime, postgame needs for both of the games. I think LSU, it's just, a, it's, too, it's a big friggin' number for LSU Alabama. And I just, I, uh, I, got, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be holding Alabama and I think LSU can make it weird. So, I got nowhere to go but up after an 0-5 week, and that's when you just you start emptying out the playbook. This is empty out the playbook week here for CPU 
and LSU plus 29 and a half against Alabama is one of the play is one of the trick plays. It's like the double pass that UVA ran from its own three yard line. That's what this play <laughs> is. Let's go. Uh, brave man. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> good luck. Uh, I don't know what shark say. infested waters right there. <laughs> Anybody else got an LSU Alabama play? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and I would, I, not want to be betting, I would not want to be betting against Alabama right now. But hey, go for it. I for this is inside info, you know, the kind of info you only get if you listen to the podcast for our listeners. I have this game picked in the six pack, not locking it up in the podcast. So <laughs> do with that information what you will. So in the six pack, you took LSU plus twenty nine and a half with I would no, guess. Oh, no, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> you took the over or the under? I I took uh I don't even remember. <laughs> no, I it's uh, I took, let's see. I took Alabama minus 29 and a half. I couldn't remember if I took Alabama or the over, but I took Alabama. It's going to be really, really tough to imagine LSU's defense getting any stops, but I'm trying to imagine it right now. Well, I I think that your path to victory here is Bryce Young getting into the game early and not playing all that well. Yeah. With that's your hope. Alabama goes up like 28, nothing at the end of the first quarter might actually be the best way to be able to make it. It will be sweaty, but in a like rest, the starters, uh, get them right. Make sure you're healthy for the sec championship game mentality. Yeah. Just a big friggin' number for LSU and Alabama. It is, but it's, <laughs> it's big for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's see. We got Barton. Why don't you take us somewhere? All right. Um, I, th- I think I'm going to, um, sort of reassert my faith in the Scott Frost experience. You know, I know know everybody wants to get off the train now and we're in year three and things aren't turning around. I think this team still wants to be playing football. Now I know a couple, we've had a couple transfers, a couple like Florida types that maybe we're getting, we're getting into the dead of winter and, uh, and, and, Maybe they don't feel it anymore in, in Lincoln, but I still think Nebraska likes playing football right now. Purdue has had a few tough losses of late. Purdue is, I, I don't know that like, I don't know what Purdue has done to make me feel like that they should be favored in this game. I think Nebraska is, uh, been pretty competitive of late and it feels like they're starting to find a little bit more confidence on offense. Um, I just kind of like this spot here. Uh, Nebraska, you know, coming off a game against Iowa that really they were, they were in a good position with um, throughout, Um, you know, the Illinois game was ugly, but yeah, they got the Penn state win. I, I just, this thing turns at some point and I think this is where, where we start to see it. So give me Nebraska. Uh, they're getting two points, I think, aren't they? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, I just this was on the card. It didn't make the final card, but I, I was with you on this thought process. Although I, my favorite thing about Nebraska right now is how at the beginning of the season or the Big Ten season, like they, they wanted you to know to make sure that you knew that 
the season was playing because of them. But now when you mention that they brought the season back, they get angry at you. <laughs> no, no, Tom. Don't you be the guy that's going to say, oh, this is the team that wanted to play. Now they're one and four. How's it, how you feeling now, Nebraska? Don't I'm not do that. I'm not asking them how you feel. I'm just saying that when it's brought up, they seem to be a little more testy about it. Okay, but here's I'm going to take this opportunity here to defend Nebraska. Mm. Wanting to compete is is okay. If you yeah. want to compete and you have a bad season, like you you weren't wrong in wanting to compete at the beginning of the year. It's it's and so I I I get so annoyed when Ooh, me too. when they when the the tweets come out and it's like um hey uh, Nebraska wouldn't like, aren't you, aren't you glad you tried to get us to play so hard back then? Like, wow, you really regretting your decision. No, they're not. They got, they got a chance to play the games. There's something to be said about enjoying playing football and competing regardless of what your record is. I guarantee you no one at Nebraska sitting there being like, man, we really screwed this deal up. We should have just sat on the sidelines all year. It pisses me off so bad. I am 100% on board with you. The snarky takes after every ugly oh, Nebraska oh, loss that hold is on. all like, oh, Scott Frost. It's always, it's always a byline in every article. Nebraska loses again. By the way, Scott Frost was at the forefront, threatened to leave the Big Ten just for this. Hold and there's on. always that byline that's in every tweet, every article, everything like it's some big mistake. I cried. It's, it's the best thing you ever did was lead in the forefront. It makes you mad when people troll Nebraska, yet you were tweeting a white flag <laughs> gift yesterday, Danny. <laughs> why, why, is, why is that different? But I feel like mine is done more for comedic purposes and trolling purposes. What's mine done for? No, but so I didn't know. I didn't. So are you, do you say that? No, I no. feel like legitimately people feel like, Scott Frost should regret having played this season. That's where I thought if people did it in fun, like if they were trolling him the way I trolled Michigan yesterday, <laughs> then yes, then I think it's okay. But I'm with Barton. Like people are like, oh, they made this massive mistake and what a miscalculation by Scott Frost. I'm totally on board. You're supposed to want to play football. Uh, can I give a little segue before I give my pick? Because I think you guys will appreciate this and our sure. listeners might too. Who can um, be annoying as the troll arbiter, though, of what is an appropriate <laughs> you know, troll acceptable? and what is an un inappropriate troll? Figure that out uh, in the future. I'm going to write do. a book on that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was working on something for you guys for a little uh, gift for the crew here on the podcast. Uh, something that I was going to get made up for us. Uh, the company that I approached, I just, this is just like, this is my ADD little distraction that I am. I literally just received an email from the company because I was ticked because it says order canceled. I'm like, what the heck? So I got this email back from the company that I'm trying to order something from. It says, uh, dear Danny, thanks for reaching out. We currently don't have the licensing rights to all the logos you submitted. I know our licensing team is always working to expand our gallery of available logos. Our if logos. you'd like to use this logo, we would need letterhead permission. Here it is 
from the school licensing department <laughs> allowing a one-time use. So I'm sitting there and actually it emailed him back because I was going to use some CBS logos. But then I was like, wait a second. They think Barton A&M, Cornelli <laughs> Tech, they think these are real schools. So I just hopefully we can get clearance. But if not, maybe I'll get approval letters from each of you as president, <laughs> uh, chancellor, uh, athletic director, and head coach at your respective universities. So maybe we could use them, but they will have to be from official letterhead of the school. So we got so to get the letterhead license too. Yes, exactly. The deep so, hole we're in. So I did reply literally minutes ago that they were a fictional school. So we'll see if we can get that done in time for uh, Christmas. All right. On to my pick. Uh, I'm going to go to the SEC, back to the SEC. Man, I do bet on the SEC a lot considering I troll them on a <laughs> lot. <laughs> I am pegged as a hater. Uh, but Gator Dan can't sit idly by after a performance last week. Uh, which in real time got me a push with the original and shout out to Barton's uh, 24-7 Slack text, which alerted me, said, hey, you can get Florida right now at minus nine and a half during the game versus Kentucky. So I jumped on that, but to get the push uh, on a bet that I'd taken with Kentucky, uh, Florida land 24, which they pushed on. Uh, this weekend, they are a 17, is that the best number, I guess? 17 straight up, 17 just uh, 17, 17, 17 and a half, whichever one um, you prefer. I'm going to lay the 17 with the Florida Gators. Um, I look at the uh, Tennessee Volunteers. This is a team that is absolutely reeling. Uh, they're 0-5 against the spread in their last five games. They've lost each game by double digits. It's their longest streak in program history. Meanwhile, Florida only scored 34 points last week versus Kentucky. It was their first game below 35 points all season. I guarantee you that irks Dan Mullen. And you saw the outbreak against uh, Grantham on the sidelines. Like that was a lethargic first half performance from Florida. I think they get things corrected. I think they go out. And by the way, Florida, who just beat Kentucky by 24, Kentucky beat Tennessee. Like I know there's the transitive properties there, but I think Florida wants to kind of get back on track, get Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts back in the national conversation. And I think they absolutely um, destroy Tennessee this weekend. So lay the 17. Uh, I agree. I am. uh, I'm going to join you. Ooh. I think (laughs) the way Chip just said, Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) I, one of my concerns with Tennessee is the quarterback position. They are they're playing Harrison Bailey. I guess that means he's starting. Um, but I don't. I, wh- whatever it looks like, they're going to do everything in their power to protect him. And I don't know. I mean, they're going to now. Granted, the sun out of my eyes. They they're going to run the ball, and you can run the ball a little bit on on Florida. But I think the over the long. Paul, over the course of that game, Ford is too good on offense to where the quarterback is not going to be put in some difficult spots. And a mistake or two along the way, I think, is um, is coming. So I, I like Florida as well. Do you ever feel like you're always on? I mean, what do you do when you need a moment to chill? I mean, sometimes it's just, it's a lot. We, we got a lot of games going on, getting pulled in a lot of different directions. You're trying to balance a lot of family, a lot of work, and all of it's happening at a, at a really stressful time all here in December. And, and sometimes you need to hit the reset button so that you can get ready for what's next. And Coors Light wants you to know that 
It is literally made to chill. That's right. Coors Light is the official beer of watching college football just to drink a beer. It doesn't even have to be your team. Your team might not be playing this weekend. Your team might not be playing at night, but you've got the opportunity to grab a Coors Light, flip through the channels, find a game, and crack open a beer. Watching football is therapeutic to fans. It can be uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and drink a Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one that we choose when we need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. You don't even have to leave the house. Coors Light will be there. Get.CoorsLight.com. Again, that is Get.CoorsLight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company. Golden, Colorado. Yes, right, gentlemen. Do you remember all off season when we would talk about how you know teams were going to be affected because there was no spring practice, there was no typical camp heading into the season, and it was going to lead to a strange year. Well, it did lead to a strange year in that we actually found a team that was allowed to have a training camp in the middle of the season. I don't know if you guys watched Georgia Tech Duke last week, Chip. You probably saw a little mm-hmm. bit of it. But Georgia Tech had been off for about a month because of can- games being canceled, postponements. And man, it looked like they did a lot of good stuff during that month and they took advantage of it because they just looked like a much stronger, better team. And I get it was against Duke, so you don't want to read too much into it. But the Yellow Jackets just looked like a team that took advantage of not having any games to play and having a lot of time to practice and get ready for their next game. And I think that that momentum is going to carry into this weekend against NC State. And that is why I am taking the Yellow Jackets plus seven. I don't think this spread has caught up to the new training camp battle-tested Yellow Jackets. I think it's based too much on what we saw earlier this year. And I think that they're going to cover this game. And I think there's a decent chance they could pull off the upset just because I don't think NC State is a good enough team right now for me to trust it as a seven-point favorite. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but let's remember that this is like, what are they, five and two, six and two? NC State? Yeah. Seven and three. Seven and three, and they have like a plus five point differential. They're not that good. They're they're a little bit fraudulent. So I'm going to take Georgia Tech plus seven. They haven't outscored any of their po- they haven't they don't even have a point differential on the season higher than seven points. How can I not take seven points in a single game? Fight, 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 fight. This is my choose your fighter stance right here from the opening screen. <laughs> um, so I think that there might be some hidden figures in that box score because, yes, they ran for 377 yards on 48 attempts. Georgia Tech ran at will against Duke. It it was a good game uh, for Jordan Mason. It was a good game for Jameer Gibbs. It was a good game, uh, of course, um, at the quarterback position as well. But, but, there's also five Duke turnovers contributing in that runaway including three of them coming from Chase Bryce, who has been a turnover machine all season. So Georgia Tech's feeling good. Like, it, it got everything going. It, it does have a lot of confidence after being able to uh, have that kind of blowout win when you do just sort of out-execute Duke on both sides of the ball. But NC State just had its cold shower. You know, NC State just had its shell shock, you know, wake you up in the middle of the night moment when Syracuse was driving for a game-tying score before Rex Culpepper spiked it on fourth down. 
Like they, I think NC State comes back from the Carrier Dome, and they're like, man, that was electric. And those special teams are well coached. We we got to get focused if we want to close this out with the most amount of uh, the most ACC wins in program history in a single season. I think NC State coming off its bad performance where it got a win. Georgia Tech coming off a, a very impressive performance where turnovers certainly helped with its success. I I like the Wolfpack to be able to cover the seven. Finish strong at home. Okay. You can't look at point differential, but then also look at turnover margin from the other game. Like these these two things, like we are competing against the same allegation, which is that something is fraudulent. Okay. <laughs> Hold on, I'm trying to look up a stat real quick. I can't oh. find it though. Oh, uh, I want Tom to just come over the top rope <laughs> with, a- with some some deep stat. It might not be there. I can't find it. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, there it is. Hold on. You're worried about Duke turning the ball over. Do you know do you know which team ranks eighty third in the or eighty sixth in the country in turnover rate on offense this year? Is it NC State? Yeah, they've they've turned the ball over on twelve point two percent of their possessions. Yeah, but one of them was like an off the shoes diving catch by the cornerback in the end zone. I mean, how many of them are Bailey Hockman two point We're on Bailey Hockman four point at this time. Like Bailey Hockman has had so many software updates even during this season. We've spent time praising Tim Beck and the work that this offense has done. I'm I I think I think that NC State is going to be able to close this out. Seven's a very good number. Like uh, I play the good the game good line bad line, and I think that this is a good line. I just I'm on the other side of you. I think NC State wins. Lose, buddy, just like you lost with North Carolina last week. Oh, oh, all right. So not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. So <laughs> Tom Chip lock fights three and two. Oh, oh, uh, and one last week, buddy. <laughs> Uh, all right. Coming up on the other side, don't forget about those money line sprinkles plus the rest of our week 14 locks. Next. All right. So uh, we've got four on the board for Tom, four on the board for Barton, five on the board for Chip, four on the board for Danny. Uh, let's go back to Tom. You are the, uh, you do have the honors on the tee box. So where do you want to go? All right. Uh, well, I'll, Second half of the show, I'll start the same way I started the first half of the show with a big 12 under. I am taking the under 51 and a half in Texas at Kansas State. Just, I don't know. It just, it, again, this is going to be another windy day on the plains. Let's see. The current forecast is calling for winds about nine to 11 miles cross winds blowing through Bill Snyder Stadium. But more than that, it's just, I feel like there's going to be somewhat of a letdown for Texas after last week's loss. And I'm not sure how fired up and ready they're going to be, especially considering how Sam Ellinger sounded after the game last week. And I think Kansas state offensively is a team that, you know, doesn't really throw the ball. It can't really throw the ball, especially now that Will Howard's been in there and they look to run it. And I think that they're going to look at this game and think if they want to pull off this upset, which I do think that they're capable of doing, they're going to want to, you know, limit Texas's possessions. And they're going to do that by controlling the ball. And I think defensively, as we've seen, Texas, it's inefficient offensively because its offense basically revolves around deep shots. And then when Sam Ellinger's hitting them, great. 
when he's not, they really can't run the ball in any other way besides using Sam Ellinger in battering Ram mode. But this Kansas State defense ranks 38th in the country in defensive success rate against the run. So I do think that they'll be able to limit them in that category. And as I mentioned, there's going to be windy. It's going to be windy, which is going to make Sam Ellinger's deep shots, which are kind of spotty to begin with as far as accuracy, a little more inaccurate, though. Hey, maybe the wind will blow more accurately. Who knows? It's just I look at this game and I think it's kind of going to be ugly and gray and dreary. And I like the under. I think this is like a 24-21 game, not a 31-28 to game. I got to play in this game. Is anybody else? Mm-mm. I don't love the uh, total. I see where you're going. I actually like Texas in this spot. Okay, good. Because, I mean, I didn't want to have to pull out the frying pan. I know that you're not on Tom (laughs) status where (laughs) picking Kansas State requires the frying pan. but uh, Right. Yeah. Long horse. But I do look at this, and maybe this is a little bit too much into the – and it burned me last week – the Sam Ellinger is not going to let us lose type of uh, philosophy that I took last week for Texas. But who do you guys think was the better team up to the last four minutes of that game? Texas. Texas. Texas, right? Um, How did Iowa State do versus Kansas State not that long ago? Not great. 45 to nothing, right? I believe was the final score. Uh, I still think even Texas, I think there's a lot of people that are going to jump in. Uh, Texas is thrown in the towel. They've had players opt out. I just think this is a place where maybe you can get some value on Texas at this number. So I'm going to take Texas and lay the points. I like that mindset. <clears throat> um, but I, I also don't trust Texas here. Because, yeah, it's a risky spot. I don't yeah. love it, but I, I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Game of the week. Bowling Green and Akron. <laughs> yeah. Bottom 25 game of the century of the week. 0-4 Bowling Green. 0-4 Akron. We are in Akron. And I am saddling up with Coach my seat. with Coach Eric Taylor, a.k.a. Tom Arth, and the Akron Zips, minus two and a half, against Bowling Green. We can go back. I think it was the Kent State game. They were really feisty at halftime. Then Kent State hit the gas in the second half. We spent so much of that game on the broadcast talking about what a win would mean. I don't, I mean, Tom Arth doesn't have a win yet. He has yet to win as the head coach. Currently 0 and 14. 0 and 14. You're always looking for some value when you've got some of these winless teams. And and I tell you what, I think Tom Arth is more beautiful than Scott Leffler and Brian Van Gorder. And I think that Tom Arth is going to be able to get his first career win. I think it happens. And I think they cover the two and a half. So give me the zips minus the short number. Cool. I just, you know, we, we all agree that Bowling Green's defense is awful, right? Correct. Barton with your BVG love. And Bowling Green's defense is allowing 3.76 points per drive this season, which is 126th in the nation. Where's Akron? Only, <laughs> only one team is worse. Anybody want to guess what team that is? Is it Akron? It's Akron, who is allowing 4.09 points per possession on defense, which is a full quarter point more or almost a third of a point more than Bowling Green is. So and now some of that is because of what Kent State did to it, but Kent State did do that. Just keep that in mind. 
Are you implying that this is ripe for an over? I I might be pushing somebody towards that 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 yeah. You gonna get in on it? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's I mean it's it's a little two o'clock p.m. Eastern time gym that's nestled in the middle of your day. It's gonna start as you're like trying to wrap up the nooners, and then the three thirties are gonna be off and running. You're gonna be trying to find an extra screen for that stream of the zero and four and. For extra motivation here, you know who Akron has on deck after Bowling Green? It's Buffalo. So it's now or never. Like, if you are going to get a win, it has got to come right now. Your best performance as the Zips head coach, as the the players in that locker room, it has got to come right now. So give me Akron. I would join you on, or I would join you in this game by playing it over if this was a weeknight game. But I can't in good conscience have a vested interest on a Saturday game between Akron and Bowling Green. It's going to, it's going to be a distraction, make me less productive on the day. I I'm, I'm going to have to bow out of this one. Let it pass. <laughs> I tried. I tried listeners. Just me on the sickos bowl. <laughs> Week 14. Uh, All right. Whose turn is it here? Is it my turn? Yeah. All right. I'll, um, I'll go Back to the Big Ten and Wisconsin and Indiana is playing. And the line that I've seen is 14. Um, I guess this is because Michael Penix is injured. Mm-hmm. I guess this yes. is a sort of a, 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 a anti-Jack Tuttle play. I, I believe Jack Tuttle is not as much of a downgrade from Michael Penix. I would be curious what this line is with Michael Penix. Uh, because what, what do you guys think it would have been? 11. I think, been I think it was, right? I guess it was still unknown. I think, I think that that's – I don't know that's a four-point difference. I don't know if that's a four-point swing. And so I, I still think Indiana, what are they – like they're going to lean on their, uh, their, their defense – they're going to lean on their their receivers. I don't think Tuttle is going to is, is going to screw this up. I think he's he is perfectly capable uh, of keeping the, the train on the tracks. I'm not saying Indiana wins. It, Wisconsin is probably going to win this game, but this is a team that's that's got a, kind of a special thing going this year. This is a team that believes. I don't think they lay an egg in this game. I think they're equipped to hang with Wisconsin. So give me Indiana laying or a catch in 14. And a half. And a half. Lock agreement. I I keep going back. It's a good team. What if Indiana's a good team? That's exactly. Like at some point, you've got to give a team respect. And I get it's this whole thing. And it's kind of the way in the NFL, if you're a quarterback who's not drafted in the first round, like a Dak Prescott, you got to prove it for infinitely more time than a Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Both got their hundred million dollar extensions. Dak Prescott sitting there. Wait in college football, you have to rattle off three, four and five years of success before people start to respect you. Or they look at oh, it's Indiana. This is a basketball school. Oh, this can't be, this can't be for real. I think they're a good football team. And as much as we were into Wisconsin, I think their defense is good. I'm very curious to see what Graham Mertz does uh, bouncing back in the spot. Uh, can I keep it rolling here? Yeah. With the spot? I want to get it. I even screen grabbed it because I'm worried it's going to move on me. Uh, we talked about it. The late ad change to the schedule. BYU traveling to Coastal Carolina. 
I want BYU laying nine and a half before it, before it changes. Um, I don't like this bet from a personal perspective. You saw me rocking the Coastal Carolina gear the other day. Shout out to Dan Morphis in the equipment room who did send me some gear. He really listened to my radio show and not the pod, so maybe it's keep it that way because I don't know if he's going <laughs> to like this. I love the story of Coastal Carolina. I actually would love to see them win this game and shock the world. I've looked at BYU, and I, I think they're ranked properly because their schedule has been so bad. But, man, they're really good. Uh, Top five uh, in both total offense, number uh, seventh in total defense. Like, they're as balanced as it gets. Zach Wilson, Heisman candidate, needs this game. But also, and Grayson McCall is no slouch either. Mm -hmm. The quarterback for Coastal, 20 touchdowns and one interception. He's been phenomenal. He's a freshman. Um, Jamie Chadwell. A little bit newer to the, you know, to being a head coach and being in this position. Kalani Sataki, most of these players at BYU, 24 years old. They've been, they've got some life experience. They played games against the Pac-12. They've been a little bit more battle tested. Game day is going to be there. I almost feel like this is one where it might be just a little bit too big for Coastal. Again, I hope I'm wrong, but I also think BYU is a really good program who desperately needs something to hang their hat on. And if they could go out there and kind of take Coastal to the woodshed, all of a sudden, I think they would potentially jump a few uh, spots in the polls. So I'm going to take BYU laying the nine and a half. Can I tell you what a a coach texted me, actually, as we've been recording this pod, unsolicited. BYU is scary good. Their AD messed it up. They should be playing a Pac-12 or at least Cincinnati. Coastal is a cute story, but BYU has real pros in that team. Playoffs, their early option, but they got to get near near six. So he thinks that BYU is going to put a number on them. There's also the aspect too. Now this is the another advantage I think that BYU has. They, you know, everything's been up in the air, right? But BYU probably started game planning for Coastal before Coastal started game planning for BYU. I'm this is just assuming the way things unfold is that, hey, Liberty was having issues, but you still kind of had to prep for Liberty if you're coastal until you definitely get the definitive word, we're not playing that game. Meanwhile, BYU is probably thinking, hey, we're, we're playing coastal. Yeah, let's start studying game planning specifically for them. I don't even think it matters though, but I think it's another edge that goes to BYU. Uh, d- does it worry you at all uh, that BYU's got to make the cross-country trip? Uh, no, I do. You see the game, they changed the game time. Like if it was at noon, I do think that's a very real thing. Especially in the NFL, you see it way more that one o'clock kick for teams that come from the West coast, they bumped the game back to five. So it's not going to be super early. It was supposed to be at two, but it's at five now. You know, there's some of that that comes in, but I think BYU is used to traveling. So it's not that big of a concern. I mean, the literal Brigham Young was born in Vermont and ended up in Salt Lake. So going Whoa. across the country is nothing new. A little history lesson. I like it. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I haven't seen anything from South Carolina. I mean I, I mean, I hate to just pile on here. And this is a big number to ask Kentucky's offense to cover. But Kentucky's playing at home. Against this South Carolina team that just lost 45-16 to Georgia. They lost to Missouri. They've lost, let's see, one, two, three, four, five in a row since that win against Auburn. 
players are, you know, going ahead, getting ready for the NFL draft. seems like the fan base, not that that would matter, especially in a road situation, but it kind of feels like the fan base is already moving on to trying to either talk themselves into Shane Beamer or at least uh, continue to champion Shane Beamer's cause. Kentucky's solid, man. I I think that they're just a solid program. This is a a game that I think that there will be – if, if Kentucky's able to get hold of it, they've got absolutely no reason to to be conservative or save anything. Final game of the regular season for the Kentucky Wildcats. I think they will be more than happy to pour it on um, in the primetime game at home. So give me Kentucky is 11 and a half, the best I'm, I'm going to get here. Yes. Yeah, better team, healthier program, better spot, final game of the regular season. And look, we don't have specific like bowl motivations because bowl eligibility is out the window. Like Kentucky could win this game, be four and six and still go to one of the SEC's bowl games. That is like absolutely a a possibility. And so there is at least motivation to be impressive and to position yourself as one of the better teams in the league. I mean, they win this and they pretty much lock themselves into a fourth place in the SEC East with one of the seven or eight best records in the conference. So yeah, give me the Wildcats. I, I like that one. Um, and I was going to actually play it. I didn't write it down for some reason and I just don't want to feel like I'm just piggybacking your pick. So I'll let you have it on your own, but here's a vote of vote of confidence for me in that one as well. Always good to have Kentucky super fan Barton Simmons on my side. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have three games left on the card that I'm kind of deliberating between, but I think the more I look at this one, the, the more interested I become in it. I'm taking another under. I'm going under 67 and a half in Clemson at Virginia Tech just because I think that total is a little too high given the situation in that Virginia Tech is a one-dimensional offense. I think Clemson's defense is perfectly suited to shut down a one-dimensional offense. I think that Clemson is currently in a position where, yeah, last week we saw pissed off Clemson come and just crush. This week, Clemson's in the situation where it's like, okay, well, they're already putting us in the ACC championship game, so we just have to not screw this one up. And I think we're going to see Dabo go back to being the more conservative Dabo we typically see in bigger games. And I also think that once Clemson gets this game under wraps, it's going to be time to start focusing and getting ready for Notre Dame and the ACC championship to solidify our spot in the college football playoff because we are at number three. So clearly the committee does like us. So I think that Clemson's going to get out to an early lead in this one. So maybe if you want to take them in the first half, cool. But I think once the second half starts, we are just going to see them kind of just, you know, slowly grind this one to the finish line and get out of there. So I think they're going to win big. And I think we're going to stay under 67 and a half. Tyler Davis, starting defensive tackle, made his return against Pitt. And in the very first quarter, you saw him uh, collapse to the pocket put that big old paw up in the air, deflect a Kenny Pickett pass right into uh, an interception from the back seven. James Skalski, starting middle linebacker, he started to get healthy. 
This is not the first time that Clemson has done this, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, where players get a little bit banged up, whether it's a groin, it's a hamstring, it's you know maybe get your knee twisted up just a little bit, a little knee sprain. Clemson will not rush these starters back because they feel like it cuts two ways. Number one, you get so much good experience for the twos and the threes that are going to get more action. And when they do come back, you are the healthier and you are the fresher and deeper team than anybody that you play as the interior of that Clemson defense gets to that like final form, that championship form, then they are going to start absolutely snuffing out everything that Virginia Tech can do. I don't think Virginia Tech's offensive line is ready for this. Uh, I like – it is a Clemson under that I take, and the first thing I say is I don't know how many points Virginia Tech will score. I am more nervous about Virginia Tech just kind of quitting and Clemson running it up. Like Even when they're not trying to run it up, where it's going to be like a Joey Joe gets out there and gets third quarter touchdowns, backups start getting in there, scoring touchdowns. Darian Wrencher ends up you know, breaking a 60-yard runoff. That is the only thing that has me concerned because I do think Clemson's defense is what anchors my confidence in this play. I, I agree, Tom, on the under. 16 mile an hour winds, by the way, in, oh, never mind. That's here. That's not in Blacksburg. I was going to say, that is not showing up on my screen. <laughs> All right. I've got uh, two, one to two left. I've I got have potentially one only one left for me. Danny? Discipline, uh, Danny? <laughs> I, I got a few left, but I, I can whittle it down because I do want to whittle it down. All right, I'll, I'll go then while you guys figure this out. Uh, my last play, this one, it's not, it's it's mostly just, this is eye test. I'm, I'm going committee here. I love Washington. I love Jimmy Lake. I love what they do defensively. Don't love them offensively so much. I think they're a little too conservative at times. So I see this line where Stanford's catching 12 against Washington on the road, and I'm just like, man... From what I've seen of Washington so far this year, I just don't think I can trust it to cover a double-digit spread. And I think that while Stanford is not the Stanford of old, I do think that in that game last week against Cal, I did see some signs of at least some physicality on defense. So I think that they'll be able to limit what Washington is trying to do offensively. And plus, as we've talked about, I think if Washington gets a lead, it's it's perfectly content to sit on that lead and just try to, you know, suck the air out of the game and it's like last week they fell behind 21 to nothing and they had to battle their way back and even then it took them a long time to do it and they weren't exactly explosive while doing it so just just eye test based on what i've seen not nothing no trends no stats to back it up for me i just feel like the spread is way too big i'm taking stanford plus 12 i'll keep it in the pack 12 what what what's our uh, like long layoff teams sitting around antsy? Aren't we a little profitable? Uh yeah, we are on the season. Hold on one second. The shoot, where did it go? Because there's a yeah, team. What is it? Uh, teams that have been off for 15 days or more this year are 19 and 12 against the spread. When playing a team that played last week. Let's see. There's a team that came out and played really really well in its first game of the season well enough to win against a very talented roster. And they haven't played since they've been totally off the radar, not on the field. 
And I think that this team has a really, really good coaching staff. You know, not only at head coach, but just uh, your coordinators are experienced and they've been successful. It's got a game-changing quarterback and you're playing at home. You're only going to have but so many cracks at this thing. So I've got a, a big-time motivational angle. I think the team is significantly better than the opponent. And so I'm going to lock up Arizona State minus three against UCLA. Better team, more reason to be fired up about it. I, I This line being under a touchdown surprised me. Uh, so, yeah, give me the uh, the Sun Devils. Forks up, ASU minus three. Get you two and a half. Two and a half, I'll take it. Any uh, any COVID concerns there for you, Coach? Uh, do we know that Jane Daniels is not playing? <laughs> I, I, no, I don't. Just a heads up. I, I, I'm just saying there's probably a lot of COVID floating around those pools out there at the Arizona State campus. <laughs> the lazy river is just... if, there's, if there's ever a place that's going to have a hard time kicking the COVID thing, you know, those Sun Devils and maybe the ones. So I'm just... Uh, you guys asking. taking you guys taking all these Pac-12 bets, man. You guys were on your own. Stanford, where are they practicing? Like they're the, they're having to rework things. Like you guys are brave souls. I don't. I have not had much success in my Pac-12 uh, bets, so I'm going to stay away from those. Uh, I'm going to go back to the ACC though, and I love the information that I just got on that stat with teams that have been off. Uh, Greg Sankey made some waves uh, yesterday when he was talking about the ACC putting their best foot forward by essentially locking in Notre Dame, uh, getting into the ACC championship. Clemson most likely will be there and putting their best teams forward saying, hey, you know, this isn't right. You know, would it be the same if Notre Dame and Clemson were ranked fifth and sixth? And he can make his case. He sounds irritated. Other SEC fans are irritated. You know who should be the most irritated? Miami. Miami. The Miami Hurricanes are the team that got the shaft in this situation. Miami hasn't played in 15 days. I'm pretty certain of that. I just, I'd have to go back to the calendar, but they haven't played. They had COVID issues. They escaped a couple games against North uh, NC State and Virginia Tech with De'Ara King kind of playing hero ball, putting the team on his back. Well, after getting some time to recuperate, now they go play a Duke team and I hate that I'm seeing this, but after getting blown out uh, last week against Georgia Tech, I am seeing some people, you know, national writers, ooh, the David Cutcliffe, you know, this is getting ugly now. Shit, you know, is it, I hate seeing that, but it is ugly at Duke right now. And I think Miami, motivated, still ranked 10th in the, uh, 10th in the country. Duke is not a very good football team. I think Miami opens up. Uh, their offense, I think they win with a sideways number. I was surprised it was only 14 and a half. So I'm going to lay those points and uh, give me the Hurricanes. I can dig it. Uh, to update on one of our earlier picks, by the way, just just scroll down the Twitter timeline. Kevin Wilson, who will be coaching Ohio State, or be, be calling the plays for Ohio State this weekend in place of Ryan Day, is moving down to the sideline from the press box for the game. And when asked why, his answer was because he wants to look Justin in his eyes. So I think we'll be seeing Justin Fields play. Um, Goodness. I see. Normally you present to me Miami in Durham in December. Trap all, all jumping the other way, but it already happened just last season when Miami lost straight up to Duke in December. 
there might be like, you would never be able to explain to somebody in 2004 when Miami is coming off national championship in recent years, top 10 finishes, they're just joining the ACC. Duke has just absolutely been in the dumps forever. And I'm going to say, hey, 16 years from now, Miami will be playing Duke and it'll be a revenge game where Miami will have revenge on the mind. But there might be some revenge game factor in there. I mean, it's not going to impact Derek King, but it certainly might impact a lot of members of that defense that uh, they got embarrassed with a loss to Duke in between the loss to FIU and the loss to Louisiana Tech. So I don't hate it there. And I, I, do, uh, I do sort of like kick back at the idea that like David Cutcliffe is in any kind of trouble because uh, that's a, that's a that, that is um, just sort of, I think just trying to stir, stir things up when you're just trying to look for jobs because I don't, I have not gotten, gotten the sense that anybody over at Duke has wandering eyes when it comes to the leader of their football program. But is there any, is there any buzz that maybe David Cutcliffe is, is, is starting to reach the, the end of the, end of the road, the end of the journey time to just kick back and drink some iced tea and watch the sunset. I don't think that he would want to go out on these kind of terms with this kind of season. I don't know if, I don't know if he's got many other options down the road. I don't know how much better it's going to get, but we'll see. I hear you. Yeah. I got one more. Anybody else? Anybody? Nah, in there? I'm, I'm I'll good. wait till the last, to the last pick. I'm, I'm continuing to let the votes pour in for my over. <laughs> On Twitter. All right. I'll, I'll go ahead and hop in here and uh, get one more in. Uh, there's actually two that I want to take, but I'm going to use some discipline, Danny principles here. You got uh, to throw, throw them out, though. As, all right. As, I'll throw them out. And you guys might be able to put me out, put me in over. Uh, Oklahoma's playing this week. Uh, I'm assuming they have massive issues on their staff. They've even called in Bob Stoops, former head coach, to help. Uh, uh, coach on the sidelines. He's been at practice. This might be one of those last minute ones. As long as Spencer Rattler, uh, you know, take your pick of players um, out there for Oklahoma. As long as they're pretty much not impacted too greatly from the players. I've always been a believer. Coaches matter, but it is always about the dudes on the field that are making the plays. Uh, they're a twenty-two point favorite. Uh, I can get a twenty-one and a half. I think correct, Tom. Uh, uh, yep. Twenty-one and a half. Uh, Baylor. You know, again, this might favor my Texas pick, uh, beat Kansas State, but I don't think Kansas State is a very good team right now. Oklahoma, I still think, is that team that is sitting there that nobody is really discussing, and yet I think they could go toe-to-toe with Texas A&M, with Cincinnati, with Georgia, Florida, all the teams that are in front of them. I think they are a great football team. I think they would love nothing more than to kind of try to impress, and they have to. Um, so I'm going to take Oklahoma and lay the points. My other one that I kind of want to take now, this is the one where I don't, it, this is a massive number to lay, but we all watched Vanderbilt last week. Um, <sighs> barely move it across. I mean, they didn't, they barely moved it across midfield, could not get into field goal range. They're playing against Georgia. Georgia's laying 36 and I kind of want to do it, but I will. I already have. I think I have most of my picks this week uh, are tied there with Chip. So I'm gonna kind of, kind of pump the brakes a little bit here. But that was the other <laughs> game I was considering. Um, definitely hit now that I took it off like and I didn't do it. The the dentist is is playing the uh, the Vandy game. He's it, on the. He had a he had a whole long uh, description of why he's playing it that included all kinds of Sarah Fuller conspiracy theories. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. 
and just say he is on the under. He thinks George is going to blow him out and Vandy won't be able to score. Which I, That's I a safe assumption. Yeah, <laughs> I got to agree with that. So um, he's, on, he's on the under. The under in Georgia, Vandy. Okay. He is not expecting a field goal attempt. <laughs> it sounds like is what he's calling for with his conspiracy uh, theories. It was more. It was more. Let's, I'm, let's, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to open that can of worms. Okay. All right. So is that it? All right. So I guess it's time for me to play my my, my over. Mm-hmm. Um, I called on the over army. They have responded. Um, the top candidates from the over army have been Kansas, Texas tech, Penn state Rutgers and coastal BYU. Um, the, 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 the game that's gotten the most buzz from my over army is Kansas, Texas tech. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll trust them. I'll trust the people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We just got a, we got another BYU coastal. Oh, that's, oh man, that was tied. (laughs) <laughs> live let's go to steve kornecki at the decision is this, desk. A, is this a poll you put out on twitter because i got to check these results it's not How a you poll it's just straight up it's just uh people uh, responses hitting you up i, I hit the twitter it. with responses i don't think your your twitter followers understand that there will be 11 mile per hour crosswinds in kansas texas tech Ooh. i mean do we i was on the that? over but i didn't want to get into a fight with uh with tom all right i think the um the late enthusiasm made a last second turn. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give the edge to coastal BYU. Give me the over at what is it? 60, 61, 61, 61. Let's go. <laughs> He's got no love for the black swarm defense of the coastal Carolina Chanticleers. All right. Shants. Shants. Okay. Uh, let's get these. Let's get the cash register out and let's get these money line sprinkles. All right. Money line sprinkles on the season. Danny still in front, uh, 11 and eight up 11.45 units. Uh, Tom six and 10 at plus 4.4 units. Chip at six and 11 plus 1.87 units. Barton at five and nine plus zero. Point point zero point zero five units. Everybody's making money on these sprinkles on the season, and you should too. So uh, let's go ahead, Danny. What is going to be your sprinkle? All right, I got a few of them again. These are coming <laughs> some of my favorites, so I'll get them out of the way quick. Uh, we had the right off the top of the bat. You were talking about your double play uh, with Texas A&M versus Auburn. Uh, I was on the under in that game. You were on both the under and um, Auburn plus seven. I like your play, but sometimes there's ones like where I don't really like it. And I kind of feel like it could get sideways or Auburn could win. Like, and I'm going to go ahead and say Auburn could win in this one. There are some numbers that would back it up. You guys mentioned it uh, under Gus Malzahn. Auburn is seven and three against the spread and six and four straight up as a home underdog. How about Bo Nix? He's eight and three against the spread and 10 and one straight up at home. Uh, Texas A&M, on the other hand, 0-2 straight up and against the spread versus Auburn under Jimbo. Last season, Auburn won 28-20 as a four-point dog. And in 2018, Auburn won 24-20 as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So that's my first one. Get out of the way. Um, 
There's got to be some wouldn't it be funny if type of parlay situation in here. Uh, we saw LSU. No, I would be a little bit uh, brave for there to go uh, in that one. We saw last week, um, it was uh, Penn State get on the board, right? They got their first win of the season Mm -hmm. against Michigan. Now it's kind of like, whew, breathe a sigh of relief for James Franklin. Well, wouldn't it be funny if they got their first win and Penn State fans are feeling good about themselves and then they go to Piscataway and they end up losing to a Greg Schiano coached Rutgers squad, which has been a thorn in everyone's side in the Big Ten. And I don't think this is any different. Uh, you know, talk about emotional, where the teams are. I think Penn State probably looks down on Rutgers. They show up expecting to roll up there after getting up to beat Michigan. Rutgers, this would be another game for them. It's their Super Bowl, just kind of, and they're playing with house money. They weren't supposed to win any of these games, playing loose. So I've got them. You'll have to give me the numbers because I don't have them for, uh, for you, Tom. 220 on Auburn and 330 on Rutgers. Whew. And then my final one. Now, we did have uh, on our mailbag pod, we had somebody who said, do you, how do you avoid emotion? This is an emotionally charged money line sprinkle, okay? It's a Florida State guy. It's one thing to get punked by Clemson and Dabo Sweeney when he calls us out. It's another thing to get punked by Bronco Mendenhall and the Virginia Cavaliers. So this one is strictly about emotion, but BC uh, is going to Charlottesville uh, to take on the Virginia Cavaliers as a four-point dog. I know Phil Jakovic, a little bit concerned about where he is, but I think BC has been a really good football team this year. And I know quietly Virginia's getting things back on track as well. But hey, this is personal for me. I think Virginia goes down uh, straight up against BC this weekend. 162. Injured BC quarterback Phil Dracovic could be avail should be available to for Virginia. That is according to the Boston Herald after he missed the game. But even the backup, like Dennis Grosslin, I think is his name. Even he got Grossel. hurt. Grossel, he got hurt in the uh, win against uh, Louisville and David Bailey, the running back, got hurt. But if Phil Dracovic is back, certainly don't hate that. Uh, all right, Tom. I am in agreement on Auburn plus 225. This is, uh, I mean, we've kind of talked. I do think Auburn getting a touchdown at home is a bit kind of off. And I think that this Texas A&M team, for it, it should be ranked fifth. It's just... It hasn't looked like the kind of team that is typically ranked fifth. It has the resume. It has the nice win over Florida, and its only loss was to Alabama. But it's just, it hasn't been overly impressive. And I just think that we see time and time again, like you mentioned at the top of the show, Chip, when you were going over this game, college football just kind of has a way of weeding teams out as the process goes along. And it wouldn't surprise me if this weekend, if the Aggies lose to Auburn, I think they win the game more times than not, but at plus 225, that's some excellent value on the tiger. So I'm going to take Auburn plus 225. I'm also going to go, sorry, chip bowling green plus 120. And this is based on the principle of no team that sh- that bad should ever be favored against anybody, even bowling green. That's a coin toss. So if I'm getting plus 120 on the Falcons, that's value. Hold on, and hold on, hold on, hold on. So by that same principle, if Bowling Green was fav- was was favored, would you take yes. uh, Akron? If Akron was plus 120, I'd be taking You're Akron. You're going to take the money line on whoever the underdog is. Yeah, because that's a coin flip game. And if it's not a coin flip it's odds, value. Then, yeah, it's oh value. God. So and finally going to solidify that lock fight between me and ship. I'm taking the yellow jackets plus 210 cuz I think that they can win that Sick. game. 
Love it. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a triple play. It's not just a two for one special. It is a daggum triple play because we got Auburn right there on the money line. And I don't know if you, anybody on YouTube just saw the other one. We're going TCU because my mind drifts back to some comments. And so, and listen, and Mike Gundy came out and he, and he said, he was like, I had some talk with the players and, and they think that I should be spending more time with them, you know, sitting down. If you've got a locker room that was feeling like they didn't have a connection to a head coach, do you think that locker room is, um, you know, going to be in the, the best spot necessarily to be able to keep going when those Big 12 championship hopes seem to be sliding away as it increasingly looks like Iowa State and Oklahoma are going to be in Dallas playing for the Big 12 title? I mean, TCU has had a rocky, rocky season, but we know that Gary Patterson is a thorn in the side of everyone in the Big 12. So I am going to sprinkle uh, TCU as my other money line in addition to the Auburn win. Minus 103, but still the underdog. Yikes. I mean, is that... Yeah, that's fair, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> all that matters is they're the underdog. That's all that matters. All right. Uh, is it my turn? It yep. is. All right. So I guess the way we do... like In, in order to, to keep up, season starting to kind of get towards the finish line, I, I got to start playing some volume on these picks. So give me K-State... I don't know what these numbers are. I don't have the lines in front of me. I'll find them. 240 is what I can get you. Back to the K-State money line well. Yep. They, they they should. I mean, I was very disappointing to not hit that last week, but I'm going to go back to back. All right. Do you, do you want to borrow my frying pan? <laughs> <laughs> Next, give me, I got three short, short dogs. Give me Arkansas, Memphis, and Nebraska. If I'm already playing Nebraska, the minus two, plus two and a half, might as well play the money line as well. Okay, hold on, hold on, slow down. Arkansas, Arkansas Memphis, and Nebraska. Memphis and Nebraska. Okay. And then someone's got to explain to me why Oregon State's an 11-point underdog to Utah. Tristan Jebbia is not probably done for the season. He is probably done for the season. Okay. Yeah, give me that. Give me Oregon State. <laughs> Fearless. <laughs> right. Don't care. Don't care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chip, I hear you. I'm listening to the words you're saying. <laughs> Don't care. Let's let's keep it going. All right. Uh, to review the uh, and, and we apologize. Um, I guess it was what Nick Saban got COVID. Is that what ended our show prematurely yeah. last time? Yes. So yeah, we apologize. We weren't able to get the rundown. We hear from you who said it's part of your process. Tom, West Virginia, Iowa State under 49 and a half. West Virginia plus six and a half. Ohio State minus 23 and a half. Texas K-State under 51 and a half. Georgia Tech plus seven at NC State. Clemson, Virginia Tech under 67 and a half. Stanford plus 12 at Washington. Uh, Barton, Oklahoma State TCU under 51 and a half. Nebraska plus two and a half at Purdue. Also on Ohio State. Florida minus 17 at Tennessee, Indiana plus 14 and a half at Wisconsin, BYU Coastal over 61. Chip also on the West Virginia Iowa State under, uh, Texas A&M at Auburn under 48 and a half, Auburn plus 7 against Texas A&M, LSU plus 29 and a half against Alabama, NC State minus 6 and a half, Clemson Virginia Tech under 67 and a half, Akron minus 2 and a half 
at versus Bowling Green, Kentucky minus 11 and a half against South Carolina and Arizona state minus two and a half against UCLA. Danny, the over 59 in Ohio state, Michigan state also on the under for Texas A&M Auburn also on Ohio state against Michigan state, Florida minus 17 against Tennessee, Indiana plus 14 and a half at Wisconsin Texas minus seven against Kansas State. BYU minus nine and a half against Coastal. Miami revenge game minus 14 and a half at Duke. Oklahoma minus 21 and a half against Baylor. The Moneyline Sprinkles. Tom's on Auburn. Bowling Green. Georgia Tech. Barton's on Kansas State. Arkansas. Memphis. Nebraska. And Oregon State. Chip's on Auburn and TCU. And Danny is on Auburn, Rutgers, and Boston College. Feels like I'm letting some of my principles start to slide. <laughs> Just throw it darts. Late in the season, late in the night, it is just, you know, the, the goalposts are moving, baby. And I, I, I respect it. I respect the way that you approach the season. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Coca is on over 44 and a half. Rice Marshall. <laughs>